You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Hello, Michael. Andre Pru. I want to call you Dr. Dre. No. Can I do that? Definitely no. not. Oh. I am way too white, and the real Dr. Dre's got way too much money for us to pull that shit off. <laughs> I guess I guess that's just in private then when I'm talking to other people. <laughs> um, so you're actually in Portugal right now. I am exactly in Portugal right now, staring at a Christmas tree in the middle of a lobby because this is the best internet I can find. Well, that works for me. You sound pretty good. But we're actually not going to talk about Portugal in this podcast. We are talking about Chile, which is somewhere I'm going in January. Oh, excellent. Um, I know it's a little Chile down here, but I'm bummed. How Chile Um, is it in Portugal? Yes, it's a little Chile. It's about five degrees right now, but I don't even know what it's like in uh the, the old to there so it's probably chilly air then um that's one degree and snowing a little bit right now anyways well, that's that's enough about talking about the weather what are we doing here well uh it was really neat um uh Conchil toro got in touch with us and they said hey we have the winemaker from don melchor in town would you like to speak to her and we said you bet andre i know you've got your speak nose up Andre, I know you have that uh, your nose in the glass already. I haven't even in- introduced our guest today, and you're already telling me how effing good this is. So uh, I'm pleased that we have Isabel. Oh man, I didn't bring my glasses. Mitarakis. <laughs> no? Yeah. Say it again. Mitarakis. There you go. I like how it ends with a hard K. Yeah, and it's and not fair because you've been hanging out with her already today. I have hung out with her today. We had lunch today, and uh, I've asked her a whole bunch of questions. And I feel bad because we're going to ask her the same questions again. Okay. Well, I so, haven't asked any questions. Correct. So she is the winemaker for Don Melchor, uh, and you are the daughter of one of the owners. The granddaughter. Granddaughter <laughs> of one of the owners. So there you go. And see, I wasn't totally listening this afternoon. I was asking you questions, but I wasn't listening. Michael's <laughs> bad at paying attention, but yeah. we're used to that. But yeah. you do deserve brownie points for saying effing instead of the actual F word there. Thank you very much. So the swear jar is paying off so far. Yeah, so far. I put a quarter in for, for this one. And we're yep. at five cents a swear, is it? Oh, I think for you, we're getting up to a dollar. Okay. So, um, so Don Melchor, which is part of uh, Conchil Toro. And yeah. this is... The iconic wine of Conchitoro. Correct. Um, Andre, I, I brambled a bit. You want to ask Isabel a question so that I No, can... I think you need to set us up. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Conchitoro and uh, the wines that are in front of us right now? Oh, I should mention that we are recording this at Foxley Bistro and Bar. Yes, we are. There you go. Okay, go ahead. Now, I should have said that earlier. So Conchitoro is a company that comes from Chile. And today we have the, our iconic... Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile, the best Cabernet. It's called Don Melchor. We start with Don Melchor in 1987. So it was the father of the iconic wines in Chile because at that time in 1980s, we only produce a premium wine. We don't have a iconic wines. So Don Melchor is the first wine of Conchitoro. That is the iconic wines from Chile and the Cabernet Sauvignon. And this is not all, it's, it's not 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's pretty close. Yeah, the beginning was 100% Cabernet Sauvignon till 1999. We start to add Cabernet Franc because 
The vineyard, it has 127 hectares. It's mainly planted by Cabernet. It's 90% Cabernet Sauvignon. We have 7% Cabernet Franc, 2% Merlot, and 1% Petit Verdot. Um, can you pick out the Petit Verdot, Andre? No. Okay. <laughs> Why, can you pick out the Petit Verdot? No. Uh, so this, and there's something iconic, not just about the wine, but about this particular vintage, which is the 2016 that we are trying today. Yeah, with the 16, we are celebrating the 30 vintage of Domelter. And for us, it was a challenge, the vintage, because we are not, it's not common for us that we have rainfall during the harvest. Because in Chile, we have Mediterranean, we are a Mediterranean weather, so we have cold summer, cold winters. But during our average rainfall, it's concentrated in the winter. It's, so it's 350 meter, 50 millimeters. Okay. So in 2016, it rains like 450. And we have two rainfalls during the harvest time. So it was very challenging for us. But with the soil that we have in our terroir in Puente Alto, it has a very good drainage. So we can go inside the vineyard two or three days late of the rainfall. So it's what a really good vintage. Well, I told Isabel that we had one of those kind of harvests this year in Ontario where we had yeah. rain through the month of October. Yes. She said they only had it a couple of times during the harvest, but we had it all month long. And it's still going on. Like yeah. It was snowing last night. It's uh, And it is amazing how... You can have such a really hot summer and, and great conditions, and then rain during harvest can really make things challenging. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year in Ontario, because a lot of people were able to harvest things like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir before the rain started. And our Cabernet, we have Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc here, and there's some wineries, I think, that are still have, have the Cabernet Sauvignon hanging, or they're about to pick it. And here we are, it's November 20th. At yeah. minus one degree. Minus one Celsius, <laughs> yeah. So. And we have to be very prepared for the for the climate. So we need to be prepared. And the 16 was a warm year. So we picked a little bit earlier. So that's good for us because the rainfall was in the middle of April, at the end of April. So we are picking like 40 or 50% of, of the grapes before, and then we continue with the harvest. So it was a challenging harvest, but it's really, really good. And you see with the wine, it's a very elegant, uh, it's, we call that the 16 is the beauty of the balance. Okay. <laughs> so you said that you have like 127 hectares. hectares. Is that vineyards for Don uh, Melchor? It's only for Don Melchor, yeah. Okay, so how many bottles of this uh, do you make? We produce like in average 12,000 cases. 12,000 cases? Okay, yeah. so still a fairly small, a fairly small quantity. Yeah, it's 60% of, of, of the wine that we produce in the vineyard, it goes to the final blend. The rest, it goes to another wine. So the interesting part to note though is how much wine does Conchil Toro make in total through the whole company? I think somebody mentioned that at lunch. 35 35 million cases. Holy so, crap. So nice. this is just 12,000. Like yeah, because Domelchor is like a, a small chateau inside. Uh, we call like we are a winery within a winery. So because we are focused only in Domelchor, we have our own team focusing Domelchor in the vineyard, in the cellar. 
So we only work for Don Melchor. So Conchitoro is a big company, but the team for us is we work like 15 person and only focus to make the best Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile. And how much does this bottle cost? In Ontario, 134.95. 134.95. And what's the availability on it? 20 cases, classics release. 20 cases, classics release. Coming, uh, I believe, if I heard the it's date right, now. December 6th. It's available now. Oh, December. I believe it's We'll have to check that out. And the voice you are hearing is Victoria Gamble. Yes. Just so, just so people know who you are. Just not you can follow her on Instagram. It's not like There's God is telling us what yeah. things are going on. It's Anyways, the voice of the of voice. So, so you are here in in Ontario, and actually you're going to Montreal as well because you're doing something called the Don Melchor Experience. Yeah. And uh, just to explain a little bit, and then you can explain a little bit further. What we did at lunch was we tasted three separate plots from the vineyard. And you, we did plot one, plot three, and plot five. Now I asked you over lunch, and I'm gonna ask you again, why did you pick those three plots for us to try when you actually have seven plots? Because we divided the vineyard in seven different plots or seven different parcels that we took. And the one, three, and five, they are very, very different one of each other. The other is, it goes, uh, sometimes you can compare the parcel four with the parcel five. So because of that, we need to, to separate and to show what happened with one parcel and the three, it's more tannins and the parcel five have more freshness. So you can see the difference. Also, if you taste the seven parcel, you're gonna, you're gonna feel the difference. But I think with the parcel one, three and five, you can you can see the difference between the wine that come from the same terroir from the same area and it's the same variety that's why so parcel one to me this afternoon was very was very fruity very very uh very soft uh parcel three it showed some tannins some minerality and and, and really gave weight and structure to the wine and then parcel five kind of just uh, was a little bit between the two, but but more also freshness added, yeah, a little freshness, a little more structure to it. So it was a really interesting way to see three major parcels within that vineyard and taste. And then we tried to blend and make a wine that was as good as you were you did, but I don't think we we did it. <laughs> no, we had no. twenty people around so, the table. So <laughs> when you when you have the vineyard split into the parcels, what's the main difference in the different sections? Is there different soil types? There's a different elevation. What's What's really making these different? We use three different factors to make the differentiation of the parcel. So the first factor is the soil. We have that we can find different combination of soils in the same terrain. So that's the first factor. The second is the expression of the vineyard. We know that we can find expression of the vineyard and different age of the vineyard in the same place. And the last factor is the expression of the wine. So when we taste the wine, they are very different one of each other. So because of that, we resume our vineyard, our 127 hectares in seven different blocks. But for the vinification, we divided the parcels. So at least we have 143 different lots. So when we vinify, we put some lot from parcel one, but it, we, the parcel one is a big parcel that we have two blocks so we put it we put it in a same tank the same wine from the parcel one 
And then at the end, when we made the blend, we have at least 150 different lots of Cabernet for made the blend. Wow. So today they have the experience to make a blend, but only with three. Okay. <laughs> we make the blend with 150. We made okay. a very American style sweet Cabernet. Oh? <laughs> yeah. No. No, it no. doesn't work. We weren't, we weren't very good at it. No? Well, because we had 20 people around the table and everybody so had to difficult. agree to what the blend had to be. So. No wonder you were so crabby earlier today. Yeah, I was a little crabby on that one. Right. I was too soft. Um, so, I guess, uh, do you do the vineyard management as well as make the wines? Or do you have a team that must help manage all that, uh, all that real estate? Yeah, we have a team and we are in charge of, of the cellar the part of the operation of the cellar. Yeah. Enrique Tirado, the head winemaker of the of Don Melchor, he's in charge of the cellar and also of the vineyard. And we have a viticulture that he's in charge of the operation of the vineyard. So the three of us, we work together during the harvest time of the whole year to see what we're gonna do with the blend, with the wines, the pump overs during the harvest time, everything. And then something else I found very interesting is how you make the blend. To make this blend, you have to pack a suitcase. Do you want to tell me why again? Why you have to pack a suitcase? <laughs> uh, because we started working with a with a French consultant since the beginning of Domelchor, since 1987, with the Boisenot family. Boisenot was the disciple of Emile Penot. Emile Penot was the father of the winemaking in France. So at the beginning, in the 1980s, my uncle traveled to France to show the Cabernet that we produce in Chile. Okay. So they showed to Emile Penot and he said, okay, you work with Boisenot, uh, Jack Boisenot to make a blend of a Chilean wine. So today we continue with the Boisenot family. They are the consultant of 150 different chateaux, Mouton, Lafitte, Latour. And so today we make the blend in France so we travel with 150 samples of the Cabernet and we make the Domelchor in Lamarck in the laboratory of Eric Boisenot and then we go back with the blend and make it in Chile. But that's still, like, yeah, Michael, Michael's <laughs> kind of doing like the, the mental picture, like just the mental picture of carrying <laughs> No, we samples. send the hun- Oh, you send, send them. The- oh, okay. like, no, 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 I don't carry the 150 samples, like, but I... These two big <laughs> no. suitcases and they're, they're metal and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. and, and, and people can't see Isabel. She's a very small uh, lady. And I could just see her with these two big suitcases with 150 samples of wine that she's carrying along. I just find it hilarious. So when you're working with 150 samples to blend down, uh, how long does it take for you to go through that process of sampling 150 one and working at that one week? One week. We spend one week in France. And how many hours a day is it just tasting and, and mixing down? Till morning to till 9 a.m. till 5, 6 p.m. And, and then they go out and party. <laughs> and how many people are involved with deciding what goes into the final blend? Enrique Tirado, the head winemaker, Eric Boisenot, and I. So how long does it take before the three of you agree on what things are supposed to taste like? Yeah, no, because at the beginning we make a, a Cabernet base. Yeah. So... We said, okay, this this lot goes, this go, lot goes, this one go, go, go. Okay, we decide the, the like the master blend. Yeah. And then we start to discuss if we need to add another variety of we can add another another lot that it don't goes to the first. 
uh, to the first master blend or if we taste the master blend we think oh what it means what we need more so we start like that and do all three of you I, I mean I guess the thing that, that sort of blows my mind is when you have that much like it's like painting a picture when you have that much paint to work with you're going to have moments where it looks like things are, are, are finished so it just kind of blows my mind that like there's there's some great blends that we're never going to get to taste because you're working towards that that one yeah because one vision, we work right? we work all we work the focus of the footprint of Domelchor. so we are looking for a wine that have a good balance that they have the elegance tanning so we know which is the way of the wine that we are looking for so because if we think <clears throat> I don't know, I'm looking for a fresh wine, so it's it's different. So we are looking for make the Dom Melchor wine. So we know the footprint of Dom Melchor. Because of that, today in the morning I ask, which is the wine that you want to make? Because it's different, the palate, or if different the way, <clears throat> if you are looking for a wine that you need more tannins, less tannins, so I think you need to know which is the wine that you are looking for, and Everybody goes for the same, for the same. Towards, the, towards the same goal. <laughs> it, is really, it is really interesting, though, tasting this wine. Like, 2016 is still quite young for premium Cabernet Sauvignon, especially if you're spending over $100 a bottle for a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. But what I find completely fascinating is how approachable the tannin already is from the onset. I mean, if I were to open up this, uh, open up this bottle and... Um, drink it now, I would have very few re regrets about it, knowing that this will probably be excellent for 20, 25 years in the proper cellar easily. So this is the 2016, which uh, I find very approachable, uh, very easy drinking. Mm. But as, as Andre said, you could e easily uh, set this down for, for 20 years or more. What we're going to try now is the uh, 2015. Um, and, and I thought it was a very different yeah. different wine although <laughs> obviously uh, it, it went through the same rigorous uh, blending practices going towards you know another mm. another wine or going towards the same goal of <laughs> making Don Melchor for us it's the same goal but if you see we we keep it and we try to keep the expression of the of the of the year mm. so if you see, if you taste the 2015, it's gonna feel more minerality, more close. You feel an, another, like a other style of tannins. So it's totally different in terms of, of style in, with the 16. But in behind, they have the footprint of Domenchor. It's a elegance wine, very balanced. So you feel the different years. See, I find this a more aggressive wine. Yeah, it's wine. definitely got like, like I, I, the 16 is so like black current, like <clears> just <throat> full on right out of the glass. And this has a little bit more restraint on the fruit. It's a little bit, it's got like an earthiness to it. It's got a leatheriness and yeah. earthiness. This is, the, the tannins are a lot more are grippy. They, they grab at the tongue. Um, so I would think this one would age a little bit better. So more 30 years mark versus the, the first one, which 15. would be a 20 year. Yeah, the yeah. 50, yes. But it's still uh, like unbelievably approachable. Like once you put it in your mouth, Correct. Yeah. the fruit really does have nice balance and focus over the earthiness, over that leatheriness, that tobacco, yeah. that, that, that smokiness. Like it's a lot of fruit. And it's another one where it's 
definitely approachable in its youth if you decide to open it young. And what, what, I, what I find very interesting also about this wine is that it definitely shows the difference in vintages in Chile. A lot of people will think that Chile is this wonderful, which it is, a wonderful country <laughs> uh, that makes the same wine every year, but it does show a vintage variation, but not like a vintage variation where we have in Ontario, which yes. one year can be, you know, fantastic and the next year can be, you know, a mediocre vintage. You guys have great vintages. It's just, it's just these small little details, you know, yeah. aggressive tannins versus softer tannins, uh, more fruit versus less fruit but lots of fruit still yeah Does that make sense? i don't know it's a good way to say it but in, in this time of of, of the of, of the, the days but if you compare the 15 is more masculine mm -hmm. and the 16 is more feminine you're, i don't know if someone is gonna hit me to say but that. <laughs> yeah, we can't say that but you're uh, more than one. <laughs> i can say that no it's not political but yeah. <laughs> i know but it's a but nice it, spice on the mid palate yeah, that's coming some, up too. Some like, bittersweet chocolate on yeah. this one. There's just they're they're both very um, they're very finesseful. Uh, I just find the 16 a little more elegant and a little more approachable. I find the 15 to be you know really ballsy. I'm allowed to say that without throwing a quarter in. Yeah, I think so. It's I, a more muscular yeah. wine. Yeah, yeah, it's that you because you have the same variety, the Cabernet Sauvignon. But sometimes if you want to drink a Cabernet Sauvignon, some some people prefer a Cabernet Sauvignon with a lot of structure, with a lot of uh, high tannins, so very muscular in terms of volume. And some people prefer the Cabernet Sauvignon, but it, in a soft way of the Cabernet Sauvignon. I think these two vintages compares that. In the 15, the balls haven't dropped yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get a little closer to the line. Get a little closer to the line. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just looking at this glass and I'm still thinking a lot because um, that's a good sign. Well, one thing that you know I've talked about in the podcast actually quite a bit this year, and it kind of revolves around that trip to California that I took in the spring, is just about value in pricing, right? Because when we say $130 for a bottle of wine, like that is an expensive bottle of wine for most people, but that's still something that's approachable. And uh, I just can't help but think about how great value this is. Like you're talking about how you make the making the wine, working with a great consultant in, in France. Like this is definitely something that's as good as any of the great wines in France. And if you were to compare this to Grand Cru Bordeaux, which you could definitely do, you're looking at saving money. Maybe not one of the big five at twelve hundred bucks a bottle, but you're certainly looking at saving four or five hundred dollars a bottle. What you would be getting for the equivalent in France. And Easily. still with that ageability, like really Absolutely. nice ageability. Absolutely. Yet, yet when I find, you know, Bordeaux's are hard to drink in their first 10 years, I think this one, as we had mentioned, you could pop the cork tonight, you could pop it in 10 years, and you would be just as happy. Maybe yeah, of course, it's going to be even, much better in 10 more years because it's need a little bit the de evolve. But I think right now it's totally drinkable for the new drinkers. I think it's more approachable. So, but it's even compared to because the thing I learned in, in California is it's another place where when you're comparing it to the great wines of the world, you can save a little bit of money. And I know it's kind of ridiculous that I'm talking about saving money when we're talking about spending hundreds of dollars on a bottle mm -hmm. of wine. But what I like about this compared to California is just you've held that acidity really, really well. And it's not saying that California wines aren't balanced, but this just has that kind of cool climate feel to it. Yeah. It, it, it feels like these are definitely food wines, although Lord knows if I had a bottle, I wouldn't be opening it with food. I would be 
drinking it by myself and not sharing it with anybody. It's because you're that kind of guy, Andre. I'd share it with you, Michael. You're the sweetest man. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't know. I'm talking about money. and that's, You got nothing else to I say? I got nothing else to say. I think these wines are fantastic, Isabel. I really thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Coming to Toronto thank in the cold weather. Thank you to invite weather. me. <laughs> I know that um, it, it's never cold in Chile. Although the country's chilly, yeah. it's not cold. Michael, that's, that's a swear jar joke just for making such a bad joke. In the jar. <laughs> uh, she told us that the, the lowest you get is minus one. So, yeah, so it's this, is, <laughs> this is exactly where you should be. Uh, <laughs> minus one. But right, but right now you said it was 33 degrees. Today. Yeah. All right, so you know you're on a Canadian podcast because we just spent a minute talking about the weather. And that's all we do. <laughs> thank right, you very much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Man, it's been an interesting year of discovery for myself. I know I said it in the podcast, but it just it just bears repeating the idea of what value actually tastes and looks like because these bottles come in at a very reasonable price given the quality of what you're getting in the bottle. Yeah, Melchor has always been a good value and, and even with the slight bump up in price, uh, I still think it's a great value bottle of wine. And the, the interesting part is that it is so... Uh, I guess regulated for how much Canada gets uh, that if you get a bottle of it, that you have got, you know, a very small piece of what, uh, what Ontario gets and then what Canada gets uh, on, on the whole. So I guess this is, this is just something we'll have to keep an eye open for in the future. And uh, once again, thanks for Foxley for letting us uh, take over their restaurant and host the uh, taping there. And uh, big thanks to Escalade for uh, for getting in touch and saying we have this winemaker in town. Would you like to speak to her? And uh, if anybody else has uh, anything like that, we uh, we're always game for uh, for speaking to all kinds of people from anywhere. So subscribe to this podcast, leave a review. We'd love to hear what people think. Um, I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. and I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com, live from Portugal. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.